0: You make it so difficult to stand up and talk, Chris. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 10,000 reasons and even more. It's good to be able to sit on Mother's Day and reflect on where we've been and where we're at and where we're going and And to think about that, right? Some of us are leaving after church and going for lunch or brunch or whatnot. Others are uh, maybe connecting with grandma and grandpa on FaceTime. And every family has their little different piece. and, And that's what makes our families unique. But thinking about family and thinking about where we've come from is a powerful piece reminds us that uh, it's not just our DNA but our souls and spirits are formed by the families in which we live and we weren't just kind of dropped like a stork down uh, dropped by a stork down a chimney and there we were. It's, we were formed and reared. We were raised in homes and families. No family is perfect, mine included. it's just kind of the way it is but we all have pictures and we bring those pictures with us into a moment like this some of you maybe even have big uh, big, big uh, albums of pictures or, or Tupperwares full of pictures, rubber-made things, and you look and those pictures start with black and white and, and, and maybe you can go all the way back to the early 1900s and you can say, you know what, here's grandma and grandpa and your children go, but you're 75. How old is and how far does this go back? And, and all of a sudden, those pictures transport you into a, a marvelous place for your, for your soul. Some didn't have such a photo-crazy grandparents. Some of you maybe just hold a lot of pictures here and here, gigabytes and terabytes of pictures, vignettes that you recorded in your soul that continue to play back where your mom put her arm around you and said, you may have struck out three times in the Little League game, but you look great, great out there in your beautiful uniform. You're my son, and I love you. We have those vignettes that play over and over again in our mind. Sometimes we bring them up, and, and we remember them, and our, our, our heart beats a, a, a little stronger, and we're reminded that we're not alone, but that God invented and put as the foundational building block of society, families, like ours, families. Moms and dads and kids and grandmas and grandpas and cousins and all the like. And so ringing in my ears this week was Hebrews chapter 13, verse seven, these words. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcomes of their way of life and imitate their faith. My maternal grandma was a tough cookie. She was strong. She had to be. She was born and raised in northern Wisconsin, right on Lake Kichigumi, right on Lake Superior. She was raised in Superior, Wisconsin. Her brother, my Uncle Bob, who was my godfather, was born with polio. And Uncle Bob had one leg that was about four or five inches shorter than the other. And while he loved sports, he could never play. He was a tremendous Vikings fan, which meant he had a life of misery. But beyond that, (laughs) my grandma, his sister Mary Jane, in Superior, Wisconsin, would wheel him in a wagon to school in the spring and in the fall. And in the winter, my grandmother would pull Uncle Bob on a sled through the snow so that he could go to school. Grandma was born in the 20s. She was always a leader. She was never not a leader, but she always took a caring posture for the people she led, including my uncle. She never really let Uncle Bob go after high school, she had the two choices that a woman had in the, early, in the late 30s and early 40s. You could either be a teacher or a nurse, and so grandma decided she was going to be a nurse. She enrolled in the University of Wisconsin in Superior, which is right on Lake Superior, and from there she matriculated to Luther Hospital Nurses Program program in eau claire wisconsin there she joined our redeemer lutheran church which celebrates its 100th anniversary redeemer used to be on the good side of town when the uniroyal plant was there grandma worked in the uniroyal plant she was a nurse and the stories that she, hold, uh, that she would tell about industrial accidents and all of those things made us very cautious and very safety sensitive about how we worked in the garage. Even my grandfather would say, we can't do that because Mary wouldn't like it. When the Uniroyal plant closed, she had to find another place to work. And so grandma who had continued to grow in her career and leadership, went to work at what she affectionately called, and the workers affectionately called, the Funny Farm on Truax Street on the southwest side of Eau Claire, right next to the Land Lakes Dairy. And it was a hospital, a county hospital for developmentally disabled adults. Grandma was a leader, so she worked at that job and she worked her way up. Grandma ran an entire floor of that psychiatric hospital. And she kept her grandsons off of drugs by telling stories of people who in the 70s blew their minds on heroin and LSD and all of those things. Never with kind of a, a smile on her face, but always with a very strong sense of, don't do this because of what I've seen. Grandma was strong. She was hardworking. And above all else, Grandma loved Jesus. I'm keenly aware of three things of my grandmother's life that truly left an impact on my mom and and on our side, the Klinkenberg side of the family. First, that in being a leader, my grandma was a breadwinner when that wasn't cool. Grandma was the one who brought home the bacon. Grandpa had a nervousness about him, and he had a simple job working in the basement of a hardware store. That was a big hardware store, but grandpa sold nuts and bolts and fishing lures. Grandma got up and took on the world every day. Her income providing for the family... Even in retirement, her pension dwarfed grandpa's social security, and her family was financially her responsibility. And grandma was a leader. Secondly, grandma was a leader in her career, and she got as high in that organization as a woman could get in the 60s and 70s. She didn't have the advantage of wealthy parents who put her back to school and said, well, if you can become a physician, then you can run an entire hospital. But Grandma worked her way as high as she could possibly get with the means at her disposal. And finally, with my grandmother, there was this strong vein of hard work, of tenacity of the will, of the ability to look at a challenge and overcome that challenge with creativity. But typically with my Grandma Schreiber, she just put her head down and run through a wall. She wasn't particularly tender, nor was she soft-spoken, but like her daughter and her grandson, she was pretty tough. She was faithful, and she was industrious, and very, very, very faithful to the Lord Jesus, to his church, and to the people of God. Remember your leaders, the writer of Hebrews says. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcomes of their way of life and imitate their faith. Not a bad thing to think about on Mother's Day. Think about family. Think about your family. Think about the people who brought you to where you're at today. Each one of us has marvelous blessings to think about that. Others of us and all of us have stuff in family that we're not so proud of. But families are incubating places for the values that are planted, tried out in adolescence, grown in us and then applied and with wisdom found to be a marvelous superstructure on which to build I pray that as you think about your family today, as you think about who you interact with and how you interact with them and the difference that you make or that someone made for you, that you would remember who spoke the word of God to you. In our gospel reading that Hal read this morning, we get that marvelous content of the gospel. What it means, what what, what is that word of God? I remember who, who spoke it to me, and I also remember what it is. Jesus says, before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. And then he says this, because I live, you will live also. That's the gospel. Because Jesus is alive, we will live with him. And His great love for us ensures that. That love of Jesus incubated in our families. That's the key building block for getting along and living together is to know Jesus. You see, we're loved with that perfect love of God. And our relationships are governed and fortified by the grace of God for us in Jesus and the mercy of God. That we have in him as well because we are loved with the perfect love of god the perfect love of god think of that by his grace he loves you perfectly he's not one day hot for you and one day cold for you He's not one day coming home to yell at you and the next day to say, oh, it'll be okay. Rather, we are loved with this marvelous, gracious love. That grace sealed for us in the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross so that when God looks at us in our good days and in our bad days, in generations of prosperity and in generations of struggle, He beholds us in grace. He looks at us through the lens of the cross and he doesn't wake up one morning and move that crossway and says, today's the day those Klinkenbergs are going to get what they deserve. No. In the family of faith, we are beheld in the grace won for us in Jesus. And that's the gospel, as is his love demonstrated to us in perfect mercy. Mercy that binds us together in family and community and church. Mercy because he took away our sins by his sacrifice, which is what God is known for. In his family, the chief characteristic, along with grace, is mercy. As God doesn't put it on us and stick it to us because we earned it, rather God draws back on punishment, relents, and beholds us in mercy throughout our lifetime so that nothing we could ever do would separate us from the perfect love of the family of faith we have in Jesus. I love that. Now, my family ain't perfect. Your family ain't perfect. If it is, please talk to me after church. I would love some pointers, but. But the family of faith. You are beloved in the family of faith with the perfect grace and mercy of Jesus. Friday morning I had a brief uh, graveside funeral out at uh, our cemetery in Fairhaven, and uh, it's just interesting how that works. I don't just open the Lutheran thing and go, boom, 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 let's get it done, come on. Some people request that, and I still sneak in a little more relational stuff, so it's kind of funny. Well, pastor, we want about 10 minutes at the graveside, and that's about it, and I go, What are they going to do? Tell me to shut up and sit down? That's never happened, so you just kind of go. The lady who had passed away was 96, and she had finally succumbed to Alzheimer's and now was being laid to rest. Her daughters had cared for her, cared for her in their homes, and her disabled son and his wife had helped care for, for Lois Ann. We took a moment. To reflect on Lois Ann's life, and it was simple and humble. She came to Orange County from Nebraska in poverty with no jobs. and she became an information operator. Do you remember that? Those of us who are a little older, 4:11, what city can I What city are you looking for? Orange? Clinkenberg, Timothy, is that Andrew? No, Timothy. Uh, that was her job. You know, it was super cool. Now that's all voice activated and AI and all that. It's not even fun anymore. It's kind of. <laughs> but the culture of their family was one of great openness. So they began to talk. And I knew Lois Ann. And so as her daughters talked, I could hear her voice and see her pleasant smile in their demeanor. They laughed and shared as story after story kind of rolled out of their hearts. It was a warm and beautiful time together for that family. And I'm reminded that our families, though not perfect, are still the best thing going today. And we live by grace and mercy in our families. And that legacy unbelievable more than any piece of property in Orange County that would ever be willed to you. The imperfect love that we share in our families is infinitely more valuable than anything we can put our hands around. And so we love with a grace that flows from the heart of Jesus to all that we care for in our families. And while it's not perfect, the grace of God exercised in human relationships is of the best things going today. And that forgiveness in family wouldn't be so precious if it wasn't so necessary. It seems like all we ever do is ask for grace and then give grace away, not haphazardly, but in the context of the moments of our lives. Where we come to one another in brokenness and we say, men have completely screwed this up, honey. And she says, I saw this coming weeks ago. We're going to be okay. We are? Right. We'll be okay. Grandma had grace for grandpa because grandpa was typically drunk by the time grandma came home from work at the mental health hospital. Had grandma not lived by grace, should have never made it more than 50 years with my grandfather, who, though a happy drunk, was a drunk, nonetheless. Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcomes of their way of life and imitate their faith. We live in our families with imperfect grace and also with an imperfect sense of mercy. You see, in our families, we don't leverage to gain control and say, now I've got you. Now I've got one over on you. I got a chip in this game. People get frustrated when they come to my office and they try to pull me onto their side and they say, pastor, let me tell you what a horrible person my sibling is. And usually I'll let them blow and go for a little while, and then I'll say, you need to let it go. And they go, but what do they need to do? And I go, I don't know. I'm not sitting with them. You need to let it go. But I've been wrong. Right, haven't we all? But it's really bad. Right, I get that. You need to let it go. But, Pastor, I've held on for so long, it's a hallmark of our family Pastor, I've held on to this grievance for so long. And now you say, let it go. I energize my life with the negativity that goes with this. And if I exercise mercy, then I won't know how to act. Right. Let it go. But I'm 80 years old. Right. Exercise mercy instead of judgment for mercy even imperfect human mercy is not for the weak mercy is for the strong it's the weak individual that holds on to a sin and a grievance over another in a family but it's the strong individual who can put the grievance behind them and leave that at the foot of the cross and exercise Mercy. It's the courageous person who through their journey finds a way to be merciful. We are imperfect to be sure, but in grace and mercy we reflect God's heart to those we love the most in our homes and families. Remember your leaders those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcomes of their way of faith and imitate their life. In the name of Jesus, amen.